The importance of baptism. So uh, today is a very, very special Sunday. We have two individuals who have heard God's calling upon their life and later will publicly declare their allegiance and obedience to Christ through the waters of baptism. And I think it's one of the greatest joys that I have as a pastor when people respond to obedience to God in this way. Despite the fact that I'm half Slavic, I'm still happy. You can feel the joy inside, yeah. Very deep. But I'm still happy. And I'm very joyful for the fact that we have uh, Tim and Shania later on will be baptized. So please um, um, be part of that. Um, join us later on at uh, Denon Court. We'll have a picnic. And it should be a great time. So this is the joy of the wider church, but also the joy of the kingdom of God. It is in these times that we see God working miraculously in the lives of people and as he continues to work among us. Now, as you walked in, you probably would have uh, read the the testimonies of both Shania and Tim. And uh, they're they're real stories. nothing Nothing is made up. And I think it's, it's important that we encourage one another when we see God working in powerful ways in the, in the lives of these two people. Some people here, uh, regulars or visitors, or visitors, might have questions about what baptism is. So I want to address some of these. But before we do that, we don't want to put the, the horse before the, the cart. So it is important that we all, or the horse, the cart before the horse. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying. There are a few farmers here, I think, even though we don't use horse and cart anymore. It's cruel to the animals anyway. So it is important for us to, to understand what the gospel is. Otherwise, baptism won't make much sense. So what is the gospel? The word gospel means good news. Uh, Yes, there is kids' church, by the way, so thank you, leaders and kids. Thank you. Forgot all about it. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news, the good news about who Jesus is, what he has done, and how he changes the lives of those who come to believe in him. The gospel is so simple that even a child can understand it and yet so complex that theologians and uh, Christian writers have been trying to understand it for many years, for for decades and and centuries. So this presentation of the gospel is what I'm going to present to you now is, is sometimes called the Romans Road. It's a little bit modified but it's called the Romans Road because the verses that are here come from the book of Romans. And, and if, you, if you're a Christian, you sometimes sort of find yourself, well, how do I share the gospel? How do I, what method is, is, do I use? Well, here is an outline that you can use when you're sharing the gospel as well. And if you've never heard the gospel, that, well, here it is. First of all, God created everything perfect. That is Romans chapter 1. Verse 20, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood 
from what has been made so that people are without excuse. This world has been created by God. There is incontrovertible evidence everywhere by simply observing what he has made. You grab a telescope and look at the galaxies, it's there. You grab a microscope and look at the cells and the the complexity of it. His hand is there. And you're saying, well, well, no, there's the physical evidence or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. But you haven't looked at the software. Who made all these things work together in perfect harmony as they should? God did. We tend to take all this stuff for granted, but we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Secondly, the problem, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We rebelled against our Creator when Adam and Eve sinned. The rest of us, the rest of humanity sinned with them. And most people think that they haven't done anything that is really bad. I haven't really killed anybody. I haven't stolen all of this. But you know what? In thought... And indeed, we are displeasing to God. We have fallen short of his standards. There is no one innocent. So we all deserve to be charged with rebellion against God. So what is the sentence? Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. This is the consequence of sin and we're all guilty as charged. The punishment that we have earned for our sins is death. Not just physical death, because we're all going to die eventually, but a spiritual death, which means eternity in hell. If it wasn't so serious, there wouldn't be a reason for Jesus to do what he did. So what did Jesus do? The solution, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So because of God's mercy and because of his love, Christ took our place and died for us on the cross and through his death paid the price for our sins. He did nothing wrong. He lived the perfect life. And yet, he did it for us. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And Jesus' resurrection proves that God accepted his death as the payment for our sins. And there's a, there's a decision to be made in Romans 10:9, what is that decision? That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because of Jesus' death on our behalf, his righteousness was given to us, therefore we can stand before the Father, just as if we've never done anything wrong, which is unbelievable, really. But we have to believe in him and accept him 
as our Lord and Saviour, by faith trusting his death as the payment for our sins, and we will be saved. That is his promise. What are the results? Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus, no one else, that we can have a relationship of peace with God. And because of Jesus' death on our behalf, we will never be condemned for our sins. And someone could say, well, it just seems too easy, doesn't it? Unbelievable, in fact. Well, it's not easy. It cost Jesus his life. And to follow Jesus means a total surrender of our life to him. And this is where the tricky part. Turn your life over. Repent of your sins and turning your life over to Jesus is hard. Just read the testimonies that we have before us. And many of us here can testify to the same thing because our self fights against we against we fight against God ruling our lives. We want to do what we please, what we want. Now, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I want you to seriously consider turning your life over to Jesus and following him. And, and seriously, to consider this, I would love to talk to you afterwards about this. Think about it, because it is a very serious decision with eternal consequences. So what is baptism? Maybe there are those among us who have already surrendered their lives to Christ and are seriously thinking about this whole baptism issue. So now I want us to look at baptism a little bit closer And in the process, encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to consider being baptised. But you need to be informed because there are different traditions, Christian traditions, which practice baptism a little bit differently. And you might have been invited to one of those services before, but you don't really know what is going on. So if you're a little confused... We don't blame you because over the centuries, Christians have debated mainly on three levels. What baptism accomplishes, to whom it should be administered, and how much water should you use. Those are the three things that we've sort of been debating about. But we're a Baptist church, and as the name suggests... This is what we're going to practice today. An act of obedience. First of all, what is baptism? Baptism is an act of obedience. We are saved through grace, by by grace, through faith alone. By grace, through faith alone. But saving faith is never alone. It always results in life of obedience to Christ. 
1 John chapter 2 verse 3 says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And a command is not a suggestion, a command is not advice, a command is an order, something that you must follow. And one of his important commandments is that we confess our faith in Christ through water baptism. Now Jesus, after his resurrection from the dead, and just before his ascension back to heaven, back to the Father, Jesus gave us the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to 20. And this is what he, he said as he was giving his last word to his disciples, his followers, before he ascended to the Father. He said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So baptism is a command given to the church. It is an ordinance of the Lord Jesus to be performed as part of the disciple-making mission that the church is given. It is a crucial part. And there is no salvation without the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we call on their name, we depend upon them and honour them who are one, one God, and say that this act is because of them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit involved in your salvation and mine. Therefore, we are baptized in their name. So it's impossible on the one hand to obey, to try and obey the Great Commission, to go and share the gospel, and on the other, neglect the whole issue of baptism. Oh, well, just baptism, we all sort of disagree, so it doesn't really matter, you know. It's actually quite important. It is an integral part of Jesus' final command to his disciples. Jesus himself, at the start of our first reading this morning, Jesus himself, as he started his ministry, he was, he was baptized by John, in the Jordan and he emphasizes its importance here therefore we must also follow him in obedience what is baptism? baptism is a public act of faith now you can surrender your life to Jesus in any context, it could be in a stadium, it could be in a church such as this, it could be with friends, it could be by yourself, just somewhere surrendering your life to Christ. It's just between you and God. But baptism, you can't baptize yourself. It is a public, somebody else has to baptize you and there are witnesses. That is the, the normal practice for baptism. An act of faith 
It is an act of faith. An act of faith is something you do that shows you trust someone completely. And believers have placed their complete trust in none other than Jesus. And as a Baptist church, we seek to follow the Bible's instruction where only believers, believers' baptism is practiced and taught. This, this means that you have to be of an age where you understand what sin is. You personally, not your parents on your behalf or somebody else, it's you. You understand what repentance is, what sin is, and you understand what grace and forgiveness is. So you are not a Christian because you are born in a Christian family or many people consider us Christians because we're born in a supposedly Christian country like Australia. Anyway, that's a bit of a misnomer these days. You are a Christian when you surrender your life to Jesus as Lord and this is your conscious act of your will. You're not doing it for anybody else. It's between you and God. So baptism means that you understand you need a saviour and appreciate what he has done for you. And it is your faith in Christ that has brought you to this place. And we practice full immersion because this is what the Bible also teaches. That's the word baptizo, to dip under. That's what it means, to go under the water. But also remember that baptism in and of itself does not save. The act of baptism doesn't save anyone. It is Christ who saves. But because we have been saved, therefore we are baptised. In the early days of the church, baptism was a declaration that the believer was definitely identifying himself, herself with a group of people who were called Christians. And because of that decision, you just read the book of Acts, just read early church history, because of that decision, they were despised and they were hated. It wasn't just a feeling of hatred, it was actual hatred and persecution. To be a Christian therefore meant something, it was a serious decision. To identify yourself with those who were called Christians meant persecution, maybe even death, often death. It meant being ostracized by your family, shunned by your friends, losing your job, been expelled from your village. And the one act which was the, 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 the final, the, the, the one act which was the final declaration of this identification was baptism. As long as you just simply gathered with Christians or even went to the, to the meetings where Christians were, it was sort of tolerated by the family. But once you came and told your family that you were going to be baptized, that was it. Because you were, you were declaring to the rest of the world, I belong with this despised group of people. And immediately you were persecuted, hated and despised. 
We're basically saying, I'm going to join this group of losers to the rest of the world. The same thing happens to many believers in many difficult countries in the Middle East, in Asia today as well. It's okay to say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm a Christian. But they only know you're serious the moment you've been baptised. What is baptism? It is also symbolic. There is so much symbolism in the act of baptism. There is a spiritual symbolism of what Christ has done inside of us. The water represents the, the cleansing of sin. It is a visual representation of all that our sin has done, how vile it is, how filthy. And yet, how we can be clean through Jesus. It has been washed away through his blood. Christ has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. As we go under the water, it represents death of the old self, our old identity, our old way of life. Just as we, we don't leave dead people lying around everywhere, we need to bury them. We bury the dead and as you go under the water, that's what it represents, the death to your old sinful nature. Your old nature is as good as dead. He or she no longer exists. The sinful habits, the godless attitudes, the selfish desires, dead. The control of Satan over the life, dead. And hostility toward God, that is dead as well. And as a person is lifted out of the water, it is a beautiful picture of the resurrection being raised from the dead into new life, a new identity, new habits, attitudes, desires, written upon our hearts by God and brought to life within us. When we are baptized, we declare that we are baptizing that person in the name of, like we said before, in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are baptizing, you are being baptized into the name of God. You are entering into a covenant relationship with God and his name becomes your identity. Therefore, the pursuit of your life now is to be God-like, to be like your father. This is where the word godliness that we looked at last week comes from. We are now his. What is baptism? Baptism is a spiritual marker. It is a significant spiritual event, a marker of our walk with God. One of the stories I remember from my life in ministry is quite a few years ago in my previous church, an older lady, she was already in her late 70s, she said, Pastor, I want to get baptized. I was baptized in another church as a, as a child, but the faith wasn't really mine. Now I fully understand the gospel and what it means. I want to be baptized 
as Jesus told us to be baptized. And uh, she, she lived a few more years afterwards and uh, one time I was visiting her and she said, you know what, I still remember the day of my baptism. It was very special. It was very special to me. It's a significant marker in her life. doesn't matter how old she was. She knew that it was something special. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 to 4, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Well, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live to a new life. Here, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he was writing to a group of Christians. They made a commitment once, but then were starting to to slip back into sin. You might have realized already that not all Christians are perfect. Oops. We still struggle. The struggle with sin is real. But So what the Apostle Paul is, is, is doing is that he's reminding them of their baptism. Remember when you were baptized? He's reminding them that when they were baptized, they participated in the death, symbolically, in the death of Christ. And history tells us that many of those to whom the Apostle Paul wrote they would not just be identifying symbolically with the death of Christ. Soon they will be identifying physically through martyrdom as well. That's what happened. But here, because they have been buried with him through baptism, now they too may live a new life. In the, in the Old Testament, uh, th- there are many occasions when the patriarchs, patri- who were the patriarchs? Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, they, they left these altars when they sacrificed something to God and they left the altar there as a place of a meeting between God and man, a very special spot. And generations as they walked past that spot, they would say, what happened here? Well, this was a significant spot where your granddad or your great-granddad, they offered a sacrifice to God in thanksgiving for God's blessings. There are events that happen in our lives that become marking points in our memories. Some of these moments have little to do with us, but then there are some marking points in our lives that are very personal as well. So this morning we are going to be witnesses of this significant marking point in the the lives of these two people. I don't call it a turning point, rather... A marking point because God has, is already in their lives, is already at work. They've already made a decision to follow him. Just read the testimony of what life has been like before, during and now as they live for Christ. Is the, is the, is the struggle ended? No. The struggle is real. And now they belong to Christ. 
And they want to declare in front of all of us that they now belong to Christ. And please understand that we are not saved when we are baptised. If someone isn't a Christian before they were baptised, they're not going to become one because of the act of baptism. But we all need those marking points to remember of the decision, the important decisions that we have made. Just like a wedding ring is a, is a reminder of, of your marriage. And Jesus left us the ordinance of baptism to be celebrated only once. Only once. However, he did leave us the other ordinance of communion, the Lord's Supper, to be celebrated when we come together as a church. Believers, we celebrate and give thanks for his death and we recommit ourselves to the task of living the Christian life. As we conclude our service this morning, let me give a challenge that there are those who have yet to commit their life to Christ. Again, I plead with you. What are you waiting for? This life is uncertain and growing uncertain by the day. Turn your life over to Jesus and know what real life is about. I would love to talk to you afterwards. and There are other people that you can share your desire as well and they can help you and if you haven't been baptised yet again what are you waiting for you already committed your life to Christ been walking with him months or perhaps years and you haven't done so I want to challenge you to be baptised and baptism is also this is not just living the Christian life in isolation, but it's also an entry point into a life of fellowship with the church. There are no lone rangers in the Christian walk. We walk together in community. This is our aim. This is what we want to do. So you need to find yourself a community of faith to which you belong. I know that doing this stuff online and all of this is is very popular today, but the community is limited. We want to face to face. We want we want to know what a human embrace is sometimes, and and to know and feel the tears that sometimes we go through, the encouragement to keep going. This is what the church is about. I challenge all of us to continue to walk with the Lord, to be obedient to him and to celebrate moments like this when we hear the wonderful stories of how God is working in people's lives. And uh, I want to ask uh, Tim and Shania if they could please come to the front here. We want to pray for you. I want to ask Ted... Uh, Samuel, if you could please come as well, our two elders.